What's good everyone, Matt here from UK Nets Fans and I'm joined by Aidan McConaughey and Cammy Anderson for another episode of BK to UK, the British Brooklyn Nets podcast. We'll be recapping the games against the Spurs and the Rockets as well as looking back at the All-Star game and talking a lot about Blake Griffin. Um, we're also going to be revisiting our predictions from the start of the season and making some new ones for the rest of the season now we've had the second half of the schedule. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at UKNetsFans and the pod itself on Twitter at BK2UKPod and check us out on YouTube where you can watch all of our episodes back. With that out of the way, let's get into it. Um, but yeah, this is the, the first uh, pod in March and off the back of a very, very successful February, uh, Steve Nash and James Harden have both received coach or player, the player of the month honours. Um, guys, what do you think of a, of a very, very successful February in all? I mean, it feels like we come on here every single week and we're saying good things about James Harden because he seems to do something incredible every single week. Um, so the fact that he got player of the month really wasn't a shock for me. Um, for the same reasons that I said last week when he got a player of the week, He's just been able to adjust consistently um, to the situations he's been given and he's played at an MVP level standard while doing that. Um, so yeah, I wasn't shocked at all that Harden got player of the month. Uh, in terms of Steve Nash, I think it's great that he got coach of the month. Um, I think since he obviously was in charge of his first game for the Nets, um, he's improved greatly since that time. You can tell he's almost like a sponge at times with um, uh, D'Antoni and Jack Vaughan where he's just kind of taken on information. He's, even though he's in charge, he's not afraid to kind of take on their kind of feedback on board. And you can see that he's kind of improving as a coach due to that. Um, and no disrespect to Kenny Atkinson, obviously his, his job is a lot harder at the time. But I just feel that Nash just has a better understanding of his rotations. He tends to make less silly errors at times. And he just, even just knowing when to call a timeout at the right time, is so important in basketball, but he seems to have got that down really well already. Um, even when we had that kind of minor rough stretch earlier on uh, in the season, I didn't blame Nash too much for those losses. It was kind of silly player losses that were coming in. And I think especially over the month of February, he's just done his work to make life easier for the players in the court. And he's obviously succeeding, obviously, by getting the award. I mean, I think they're both completely deserved accolades, given the kind of form we showed last month. I think it was only going to end up in kind of one place, the coach of the month and the player of the month. Harden was absolutely sensational and pretty much carried the team in the absence of both KD and Kyrie. And yeah, we've seen some fantastic basketball from Harden. He won that player of the week award. And yeah, I think, as I say, they were two very well-deserved awards because these are two guys who have the team for different reasons doing fantastic things. So yeah, long may this continue. Yeah, um, really, really, as we say, it's sort of it's hard to find more glowing praise to pour on this team since, uh, especially since chatting about Harden's Player of the Week last week, Player of the Month uh, on this pod. Um, starting off with Nash, it's the first Nets head coach to win since 2014 uh, when Jason Kidd won it twice that year. Um, this is our best pre-All-Star record um, since going 34 and 15. In 2002-2003 season, um, the Nets just so happened to go to the finals that year. So hopefully that's a, a nice omen. Um, James Harden winning it for the 11th time in his career. Um, the last time a Net won Player of the Month was Vince Carter in April 2007. 
Um, over February, James Harden has averaged 25 points uh, a game on 49% from the field, 42% from three, and 84% from the free throw line. Um, 8.8 rebounds, uh, an East leading 10.7 assists, 11 triple doubles, three triple, uh, 11 double doubles, sorry, three triple doubles, uh, and the Nets went nine and four in the whole of February. We've not lost a game. You know, it's 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 weird being used to winning as a Nets fan. Uh, it's super super weird. Um, do you guys think Harden should be in sort of league MVP talks? I mean, I certainly think so, given the, the way he's played since he came to us, as Aiden rightly said, came in and he's adapted to lots of different situations. He's really adapted the kind of style of play that he's become known for. It's no longer a 40 minutes of Harden iso ball. It's Harden and kind of the team together. He's, as well as he's playing, he's making everyone else around him play really well. He just seems to have developed a lot of understanding for the players in such a quick amount of time. I think it's about, what, 23, 24 games now he's played roughly, so... He's certainly not had a lot of time to get used to his teammates, but he's, he, he can kind of see as the games have went on, he's just getting better and better. Joe Harris was recent on the Woj pod and described him as the best passer of the ball he's ever played with. And yeah, you can't really argue with that. Some of the passing that Harden's showed lately has been nothing short of sensational. And I think if we're to see any nets up for MVP conversation, it's got to be Harden purely for the fact that both KD and Kyrie have I've missed a lot of time for injury. Kyrie's obviously played fantastic and so's KD. And I think KD could certainly win the MVP if it wasn't for being out for as long as he has, obviously, multiple reasons for that. But I think Harden's certainly in, in the conversation for MVP in the league. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about it, especially over the last couple of weeks in the media, where some um, kind of big names in the media have came out and said that they think Harden is the MVP purely for how he has adapted his game uh, since he's came to the Nets. I mean, we were talking about it at the start of the year. I remember the, the glue guys made a really interesting point that the MVP is usually given to someone when there's a, there's kind of specific scenario around them. Um, obviously, Kevin Durant was coming off a really serious injury. I mean, the way he was playing the first couple of weeks, anyone would have banked him for the MVP just because he's came back from that adversity and done so well. And the league seems to like that type of thing when given the award. And obviously, the scenario with Harden is a difficult one. He wasn't very well liked after that Houston trade, after went, what, what went down there. And um, he's just came in, showed so much maturity, and he's just came in and done his job. And he's done it at an MVP level. And I just think it, he should be in there with the Joel Embiid's and the LeBron's of the world in terms of the conversation. I don't think he'll get it. I just... It never seems to be a player that gets traded mid-season that gets the award. And yeah, he just doesn't seem to be getting named enough to be uh, at that level. But I personally, I think he's he's definitely the MVP on the Nets and he's definitely should be in the conversation for MVP in the league. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. He, he won't get it, but yeah, he sh I, I would feel a lot better uh, if he were at least mentioned in these conversations because the numbers he's putting up, um, the role he's playing... Um, the way he's adapted his game, the way he's fit in um, to a new team, um, you know, the the factors affecting this whole league has just kind of thrown everyone off. Um, kind of deserves deserves sort of praise, I think. Um, so yeah, it would be nice to see him more in there. Um, but he, you know, and maybe he's won his MVP. Um, so there's a little bit of recognition there. But talking about recognition. 
He is a, 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 a an all-star, and um, all-star weekend is upon us. Scary hours are coming to Atlanta. Um, we won't touch on this massively, um, but KD, who obviously missed the game um, through some injury recovery, um, did select Kyrie Irving with his first pick, the second overall pick, uh, as an NBA All-Star captain. Uh, and he also picked up James Harden with the first pick of the reserves. Um, what are your guys' kind of just broad thoughts about All-Star, the All-Star game, All-Star weekend? Uh, are you a bit disappointed that we won't see KD playing in the All-Star game alongside his Nets companions? Definitely sad that we won't see all three on the court at the same time. I think... Obviously, when James Harden came to the Nets, that was an exciting thought for Nets fans that we may see three Nets All-Stars in the court at the one time, potentially even All-Starting, um, which could have happened at one point. Um, and I think probably because we're not going to see all three of them in the court at the same time, I think that's played a factor in my lack of excitement for the All-Star game. I mean, I was thinking about it the other day, deciding I'm actually going to watch the game or not. And I'm going to watch it purely because you have to enjoy the plaudits that the Nets are receiving at the moment while we've got such a talented team. These are the good old days and you've got to appreciate these times, I think. And um, Kyrie is, is, is kind of like the unofficial captain of the team while KD isn't there, obviously being the first pick. And uh, he's actually my prediction for the game MVP. I hope he just goes out there and has a lot of fun. Because I think um, Kyrie, he's obviously had some tough times this year. They've not been too reported. It's been kind of kept under wraps, but he's clearly had some difficulties in his personal life. Um, and yet he's played so incredible throughout it when he has been on the court. And he deserves to be honoured for how talented he is. And I just I just hope that he goes out there and just shows everyone how good he is, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, and I think, I think Team Irvin will win it. I'm going to stick with what Aidan said. Team Irvin are, are going to win this one and purely for all the James Harden to Zion Williamson lobs. I'm going to be watching that all <laughs> night and just the thought of those happening is, is a fantastic thought, but two fantastic teams. And it is a real shame that the All-Star game isn't a kind of serious game. Also, it's all there for fun, all there to celebrate the players. And you'll maybe get one or two good plays where everyone's really going at it. But I can't help but wonder what a game this would be if all the players actually went full kind of pelt at it because there's some of the names in the teams and just some of the starting fives I know you've got scary hours, but these teams are five absolute superstars on each side. And yeah, it wouldn't be possible in, a, in an NBA team. I, I mean, I don't think it would be anyway. But yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really good game, even though we're not going to see all three of our guys on the court together. Obviously, that's a real shame. But the fact that they are still getting recognised, I think, means a lot and shows how far we've come in, in recent years. Yeah, the All-Star game itself is... I. I'll, I never really get that up for it. Um, I think even with um, the Nets players that are involved this year, it's definitely given me a little bit more um, excitement about it. But as you say, because it's that lack of competitiveness, because we see so much basketball all week and we see so many highlights from these players in their like practicing what they do, you know, having like the the sort of the shimmer of the all-star game was almost a bit like well yeah but it's it means more when they're trying hard i think so i think it, it kind of does lose some of its luster I'll, I'll watch it obviously um but yeah the game itself is i can kind of take or leave it's it's not serious Every, i think it will be a bit your turn our turn 
Um, last, but then again, last year's uh, All Star Game was really, really good. Um, obviously, with all the ties it kind of had to um, the Bryant family tragedy, um, I think helped a lot in it meaning a lot more. Um, uh, obviously, I think it will have the same format as it did last uh, last year as we will this year. So time will tell. Um, but obviously, it's not All Star Weekend anymore. It's just All Star in the day. Uh, with the skill challenge, the skills challenge going on, um, the, the star-studded um, dunk contest with you know th- two out of the three of them I hadn't heard of. I know I know I'm a ma- I'm a massive net stand. I don't watch enough. That's obviously more of a reflection on me. But if it's all-star caliber players, you know you sh- you should you shouldn't have to double check who they play for. Um, but talk about star-studded. The the three-point contest is absolutely star-studded. You got your, your Steph Curry's and I think Jalen Brown's on there and Dame Lillard and stuff. But one person who is should rightly be there, the best three-point shooter in the league, Joseph Malcolm Harris, isn't in that uh, three-point contest. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Has he has he been snubbed? I mean, I don't think it's so much snubbed. I'm sure I'd seen it kind of politely kind of declined the request he's kind of been in what the past two or the past three seasons so having won it previously he's maybe felt right well I'd rather keep the memories that way or he's thought I'm too good I don't want to embarrass these boys I'll let them have the moment in the in the kind of limelight but yeah I think the fact that Joe is the best three-point shooter in the league and not actually in the competitions a little bit a little bit sad because it'd be nice to see him kind of just prove it on the grand stage because I think there's still a lot of folk who, who doubt Joe Harris despite that. There's been comments that I, it was one of the, I think Aidan had mentioned a previous podcast, but how the commentators said, oh, I had a fantastic night. You'll not have that very often. And it's like, it hasn't nearly every night, but folk just don't really appreciate him. So it'd be nice to kind of see that and that he'd really solidify himself as not, not maybe not the fourth star on this team, but certainly, certainly a player who people should respect. But yeah, I would have liked to have seen him there, but I'll still watch it because I think the three-point contest is, is, is absolutely fantastic. Just seeing them knock down you know, every single shot is incredible. Yeah, just quickly going back to what you said about the dunk contest, Matt, it, it genuinely looks like they've went to three different teams and went, do you want to chuck a guy in here and we can just have a go at it? Because I think it must, it'll be one of like the least watched dunk contests I'll, you'll ever see. Um, but in terms of Joe Harris, yeah, I saw that too, um, Cami. I've seen a couple of people saying that he's opted out. I've never kind of seen it officially, but that seems to be the rumour. But obviously all the all the guys that are actually in the competition are playing in the All-Star game. So it's almost like the NBA have said, they've kind of taken the criticism on board and said, it's going to be safer if we just bring in guys that are already here. And um, I mean, the, I think last year, I think the skills challenge was the one that was watched the most over the three-point contest, which is usually the kind of leaders, maybe the kind of, prioritising that and they're bringing some guys in there and, and making that a bigger deal this year. Um, but yeah, Joe Harris should be in there. He's one of the best three-pointers, uh, three-point shooters in the league. And maybe if he was asked to go, yeah, you're probably right, Cam. He's probably went, what's the point? I mean, I go out there, I catch COVID and then I can't play for like a week or something like that. You really can't underestimate how seriously these guys are taking this league and every game counts. And yeah, potentially that's in there as well. But yeah, I said last week, I said, if they put Joe Harris in the three-point contest, I'd be more excited about the, about the All-Star Day. But yeah, the fact he won't be in there, I probably won't watch it. Yeah, nice. I'd rather have, you know, league stats and coming out on top of that at the end of the season rather than, you know, another three-point All-Star Weekend uh, trophy to add to his collection. 
Um, but yeah, great point about him just not wanting to go to Atlanta, which I think is they're a little bit lax as well in in that state. I, I given to believe with um, the kind of wearing of masks and getting him obviously huge uh, multi-person events and stuff like that. So yeah, I think he's just gone. Nah, I'm all right, mate. Um, so that's cool. Um, I, th- I don't think we can go much further without talking about the big news of the week, uh, and that is all about Blake Griffin. Uh, Blake Griffin officially got bought out of his contract with the Pistons, uh, making him an unrestricted free agent once he clears waivers. Uh, he gave back $13 million of his salary. Um, what do you guys think about Blake Griffin and his fit on this Nets team? I mean, I saw a few people talking about it and it's the perfect example to use the whole Louis Scola thing when he was at the Nets. Louis Scola is referred to as the prophet of the Nets because when he was playing for the Nets about five or six years ago, he was in an interview and he famously said, once they win, they will get everyone they want. And this is exactly what's happening here. Previous All-Stars get bought out and the first name that they want to come to is the Brooklyn Nets. And I couldn't be more excited about it, to be honest with you. I mean, the Nets have kind of never had that traditional power forward in the team in the last good few years or so. Um, and I think it just gives us another option that we could work with and it will be really beneficial. I mean, obviously, Blake's kind of seen a bit of a decline in his performance over the last couple of years. He had some nasty injuries last season, um, but it doesn't stop him from being a big body. He's a really, really good passer and he's developed a three-point game over the last few years that is above average so who knows you never know as well with Harden being in there he might start showing his kind of bounciness again Um, I think the beauty about this move is it's essentially a freebie I mean if he ends up being excellent then great if not you've kind of got a really good vet there and a team that could do wonders for someone like a Nick Claxton or something like that if he gets a chance to work with him Um, he's obviously yeah as I mentioned he's had injury issues but yeah in 2018-19 he was in the All-NBA team Um, I think he got 25-7-5 and I mean that was only two years ago Um, and yeah just don't underestimate how good the Nets are at getting players back to high standard I mean you just need to ask Demary Carroll or Jeff Green who have came to the Nets and they've completely brought their careers back to a good level so yeah who knows Blake could come back and he could be absolutely fantastic it's a pity it's not the Blake Griffin from a few seasons ago, obviously the wildly athletic one who was dunking tons. One of the stats that's kind of been bandied about lately is the fact he's not dunked since 2019, which is absolutely insane. Obviously, he's kind of got styrofoam legs, so that doesn't really help in that regard. But I think that I'd kind of thought of it was with the net so cautious on the way they approach injuries, I don't know if they could maybe solve something with, with Blake's knees, obviously. I think they're probably goosed and beyond... Complete repair, but I don't know if there's maybe something that the Nets could do, given the way we have treated stuff in the past. Could could us taking a different approach to his, his load management or whatever, change things? I'm not too sure. I think some of the stats this season have been particularly worrying. Stat News put out a tweet that highlighted the fact that he's had 12.3 points and 31.3 minutes per night this season, uh, 36.5% from the field and 31.5% from free which ranks him second worst in both categories uh, for players with 10 field goal attempts a night and at least six three-pointer uh, attempts a night. I, I mean, it really doesn't look good in, in looking at it like that, but even still, I think he's probably not going to be a starter. He'll be on the second unit. He's a player who can still provide something. And when you consider who he's been playing with in Detroit compared to who he'll play with in Brooklyn, 
surely he's, he's going to be a bit better when you're playing with better people, you get better yourself, when you're kind of seen as the main guy and you're kind of struggling. I can imagine that's really hard and could explain why he's not done quite as well. But obviously having that kind of load taken off, we didn't have KD, Kyrie and Harden, obviously. And then Blake can obviously score points. So if he gets kind of 12, 13 off the bench each night, I mean, I'd quite happily take that from a bench player. Most of our bench players kind of get that. So if we're getting that, yeah, fantastic. And given given his kind of past, I can only hope that he can maybe return to his Duncan days because we've now got two-thirds of Lob City Clippers. How annoyed would Chris Paul be if DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin won a chip before he did? Especially considering the level he's playing at as well. He's absolutely fantastic and... Yeah, it, w- it would be funny to see. And obviously, it even would be incredible to see them both do it in a Nets uniform. Um, but one thing I did think of is, is you'd kind of assume that um, even though Blake got sort of blackballed by his own team in Detroit and told to sit, he'd probably still be getting all the COVID um, testing and all that kind of stuff. Um, so he's, he's ready to play, uh, I should imagine. Going back to what you were saying, Camion, I think he was meant to be the man in Detroit. Um, so kind of any production less than kind of that standard, especially when you were earning the kind of money he was earning, is just going to look terrible. Um, I remember when we were when we played Detroit, he kind of just looked a bit like he didn't really want to run after the game. I don't know if it's kind of um, his his you know his knees are just filled with dust or whatever it might be like. He, if you could, you'd kind of see something like we'd break away and transition or whatever, and he just wouldn't even track back. And it, that could either be just sheer, oh, for God's sake, I can't believe with this rubbish, or you know, it could be um, his knees being goosed. Um, but you know, there is there is a question to be um, said in in terms of fit. Who do you think Blake takes the most minutes away from? I mean, I think it's quite hard to to see because I, based on a current lineup, I couldn't imagine Blake starting, as I've already said. And then given it's kind of seconds, you know, it'll probably be playing in, it'll be, I mean, yeah, nobody that I think would really miss. Jeff Green might, might suffer a little. Obviously, Nick Claxton, who's come into the team since his recovery, he might suffer, but he can also play at the five as well. So maybe he won't suffer. It might benefit him a little bit more because he's getting to focus more on the centre position. And also we'll then have, to well, have the opportunity to play alongside Blake on the court as well. So I don't know if anyone will be massively kind of impacted. Probably the, the bottom of the bench guys affected more than the kind of ones near the top end. But but yeah, we'll just kind of need to wait and see. Yeah, I think there's there's certainly minutes to be had there. I think Andre Robertson, who knows what they're going to do with him. They might not even re-sign him. He's, he's been playing a quite a lot of minutes recently. Obviously, a lot of that's down to Jeff Green being out. Um, but I saw saw someone um, putting out that Blake Griffin is a good insurance for Jeff Green. Obviously, he had quite a nasty shoulder injury, which has kept him out for a couple of uh, quite a few games. Um, so there's maybe a bit of insurance there, just having a player like that. I think for me, I think it'll be DeAndre Jordan. Actually, I think if they they are planning on playing Blake as a small ball five, um, and they tend to go down that route kind of more often, um, except from maybe against someone like a Joel Embiid or something like that, then maybe it's John G. Jordan will get less minutes. I'd be really disappointed if it did impact Nick Claxton. I think he's definitely seen more minutes because Jeff Green's been out as well. Um, but yeah, I personally, I think 
if you're going off who who deserves to get their minutes taken off them, I'd probably say DeAndre Jordan deserves some minutes taken off him. And there's there's definitely minutes to be had there. Um, but yeah, I just really hope it doesn't uh, impact Clax's minutes because I think he's developing really nicely. Nice. Yeah, I think I've just, throughout this whole thing, I've, I've just been asking myself, when the question like, do you want Blake? My, my answer has always been, well, if you, would you swap him for Iman Shumpert? And the answer is obviously yes. And I think Iman Shumpert has been on this team a couple of months now. I think he, you know, I don't know. I'd have to have a look at when he actually signed, but he's probably only played, what, 20 minutes of basketball for us in total, like with his hamstring and all this kind of stuff. So if I, if I was him, I'd be, I'd be too embarrassed to take the check from the Nets, to be honest. But, um, you know, if you'd swap Blake in for whatever minutes Iman Shumpert would have had, um, but yeah, I guess time will tell. Um, but yeah, one of them, another nice problem to have. Hopefully, as you say, with with the medical staff and um, the kind of re- refresh of situation that Blake's going to have coming from Detroit um, to Brooklyn, you know, maybe he finds that extra gear um, and we see the best Blake we've seen in a couple of years. But if he is going to play small ball five for us, his old Detroit Pistons uh, teammate, Bruce Brown, will give him, be able to give him some pointers. Um, so we got nothing to worry about there. Um, but so that's that. Uh, we actually had a listener question on this from George uh, from our Discord community uh, on Blake Griffin. He said, is Blake Griffin the right fit or would you rather try and trade for Keddie Osman? And I'm going to be completely honest. I've not watched a great deal of Keddie Osman. Um fourth year forward playing for the Cavs. Um, I don't think he brings anything that we don't already have. Um, There's only two players I want from Cleveland. Uh, One of them has a massive Afro and we gave him to Cleveland. Uh, And the other one is Andre Drummond. Um, What did you guys think of this? uh, Just while we, just while we're on Blake. I, I don't think Blake's essentially the, the right fit. I don't think he fits all of our problems, but he's not the wrong fit, if you know what I mean. I mean, he's just, he's a good player. And like I, I, even though he's kind of taken a big drop in quality, he's still a good player and he's got the talent there um, and he's got good experience. So yeah, I don't see it as a bad move at all. Um, I mean, because we're signing him as a free agent as well, it gives us flexibility. If we wanted to sign a Jerry Osman or a JaVale McGee or something like that, we've still got that flexibility because we've signed a free agent. We've not had to move pieces and we've still got some stuff there. Um, so for me, it'd be to sign Blake Griffin because we've not had to give anything up at all. Um, but I can see why George asked that question because I saw the article about Jerry Osman and them shopping them and the Nets being interested. But I wouldn't look too deep into the Nets looking at anyone because anytime someone seems to be made available, the Nets seem to have a look at it. So. I mean, I think if you're kind of putting two options on the table, it's Blake or Shady Osman, you're taking Blake Griffin every single time, even though his knees are, are kind of goose, as we've already said. Although past performance isn't a guarantee of future performance, I'd certainly rather bank on Griffin than I would Osman, who hasn't kind of had the same accolades as Griffin. Of course, he's not been in the league as long, but I can't see Osman between now and the end of his career making the All-Star team six times like Griffin has. So... So you look at it like that, I think Griffin would, would certainly be my choice and I'd like to keep Osman in Cleveland because a few years ago I had him on a my GM save on 2K. He was he turned into an absolute demigod and I'd like to keep those memories of, of him like that rather than him coming in and being absolutely rubbish. So yeah, Blake Griffin every time for me. 
Nice. That's pretty unanimous. Thank, thanks for the question anyway, George. So with All-Star Weekend in sight, that brings us on to looking towards the second half of the season. Um, the NBA released the second half of the schedule a little while ago now, uh, but we thought we'd take a look to see what stood out for us. Um, Lads, what, what jumps out to you looking at the, uh, the teams we're going to face after the All-Star break? As UK Nets fans, the thing that jumped out to me most was the tip-off times in some of these games. We've been blessed by the schedule time and gods and have some games at half seven, some at eight, some at half eight, which is obviously a great change from the one in the morning start some nights. There are some later games, I think, later on in the month we play the Jazz and Blazers in kind of a back-to-back out west and they're both two or three in the morning, which is a bit rubbish. But, I mean, for the most part, the, the schedule... The schedule looks quite good. I'm quite happy with it for the rest of this month, aside from the Jazz and Portland games. I think the schedule's actually quite kind to us. We're playing a lot of the lesser teams in the league who've not really done well. I know we play the Pistons, we play the Timberwolves, I think we've got the Rockets again. So, I mean, yeah, that, that's certainly good. April's a little bit more difficult than May, sorry, than March, but then May looks very, very difficult. We kind of start that with a game against Portland, a back-to-back versus the Bucks, and then play the Mavs in a four-game stretch, which... By that stage of the season, there will only be about 10 or so games left. That could be the difference between us finishing first or second in the East. So I think they're going to be some huge, huge games for us. Yeah, as soon as the, the schedule got announced, I hopped on Tankathon, which is a really good website that's worth checking out, which do all the kind of draft stuff. But they also do a who's got the toughest schedule um, in the NBA. Um, so I hopped on see what they were saying. And they said that the Nets have actually got the third easiest remaining schedule, which is obviously really nice. And then I checked Philly next, and they've got the sixth easiest. So um, who's got the easiest schedule? It's uh, the Utah Jazz, which is the only team in the NBA that currently have single-digit losses. So they must be playing really well so far. So, um, yeah, something that stood out for me, obviously, we've got 20 televised games, which is only one short of the Lakers this year, which is quite incredible considering they're the most watched basketball team on the planet. Um, In terms of the kind of games I'm excited for and what stood out, I think, at the start, the first half of the season, I was most excited for kind of like the Lakers and the Clippers. But I don't know about you, but I'm, I think I'm most excited about playing the Knicks again. I can't wait to play the Knicks. We've got um, uh, two games against them. And uh, obviously the first game, uh, we just had KD. We didn't have Harden or Kyrie. So it'll be good to see the Nets uh, playing in full strength against them. Uh, also excited to, to play against Philly for the final time because obviously we split the first two games. Um I think I read as well that there was seven back-to-backs during the second half, which is quite a lot, um, which is always kind of nice for us because it's always kind of good going into a game knowing that you're playing again the next day. Um, but it's obviously really difficult for the team. So I do expect to kind of see some of the stars sitting in certain games once we've kind of solidified a good, a good playoff spot. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's important though this time, like when we do rest players, that we only rest one at a time. We still have two stars in the court because... Is a bit brutal sometimes just watching one of them try and put put the entire team in their back. So hopefully, hopefully they only rest one at a time. But yeah, I think uh, yeah, same with Kami. I really liked that we've got quite a few. I think it's three Sundays in a row where we're playing at like seven thirty or eight o'clock, which is just absolutely great because we've we've not had that at all. I know. Um, so I think the the Discord live game chat will be absolutely lit come to come those games. So be popping off. No, yeah, it looks the the first thing that I kind of thought with the with the second half schedule getting announced was, I think we must be in the the Nets must be in the minority where 
we haven't had any games postponed. So I think that's going to take a bit more of a factor. Um, I don't know how many of sort of the people, the teams that we'll kind of be facing as our main competition have had, will need to find extra games to kind of slot in elsewhere. Um, but I thought that was something to consider. Uh, and also, yeah, I think you're going to be right where it's, we might see a little bit more injury recovery uh, rear in its head, especially with those seven back-to-backs. Um, yeah, there's there's a stretch. Let me, I've got it here. So the, the end of April into May, uh, we face in Phoenix, Indiana, Toronto twice, Portland, Milwaukee twice, Dallas and Denver in that stretch, which which is a tough old stretch. Um and like you say, so, but I'm really, I'm really happy at the moment with how it's looking and how it's shaping up. I think, you know, this, this team being is kind of getting used to each other as we are and building that chemistry. I think we're, it feels like we're just getting stronger and stronger. Uh, and the kind of, the more we go on, the better we'll get to know each other. Uh, and, and the more chance of winning these close games we will be. Um, that kind of losing to team sub 500 seems to have slipped away a little bit as well, which is nice to see. So hopefully we can just keep it competitive and just keep these uh, winning habits rolling uh, and we won't be too far away. Um, I also agree with you, Aidan, where I think it feels like the, the kind of this King of New York stuff is starting to get a little bit more uh, the stakes are becoming a little bit higher. Obviously, the Knicks are having a fantastic season by their standards. Um, so I think it would wrench even more if we if we did lose to the Knicks, um, especially because you just wouldn't hear the end of it on Twitter. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll get. I'm sure we'll get more onto the Knicks as and when we play them. Um, but yeah, it's it's looking really positive. I think for the Nets. Um, but just how positive are we feeling? We need to put our stick our colours on the mast. Uh, before the before the season started, we all gave our predictions. Um, we thought we'd have a stab at the record, the seed, our team MVP, our team breakout star, and give an oddly specific prediction for the first half of this season. Uh, and we've gone back uh, just to see how way off we were or how spot on we were. Um, Guys, let me let's have a little talk through our old predictions. Uh, let's start with the record. Um, I'll go first, and I said we'd be on twenty six and ten for this first half, um, and we'd end the season fifty wins with twenty two losses. Um, that's not too bad. Um, obviously, we're we're currently as we record the pod, we're on twenty four and thirteen. Um, so I'm pretty chuffed with that. Um, how did you guys? How did you guys get on with the half season um, record prediction? Um, I said 27 and nine, um, and I said that specifically. I said the Nets were going to stay in single digits for losses, um, and then yeah, I said 15 22 as well, Matt. Um, yeah, it's funny because I've, I've wrote down what I've said for all of them and I've got an excuse next to every single one of them, so I look really <laughs> pathetic. But uh, my excuse is for this one that if Kevin Durant wasn't out for test tracing, then we'd probably still be in single digits for losses. So I was the same as you, Matt. I said 26 and 10 for the first half, and by the end of the season, I said it'd be 51 and 21. 
although that hasn't happened, I'm going to, for our remaining, I think, 35 games, we've actually played 37 in the first half, unknown to us at the time of making that prediction. So I'm going to say we're going to fin finish the kind of second half of the season 25 and 10. Nice. I like that. Yeah. I think, yeah, I don't think we're too far off. Obviously, we are a completely different animal from what we were. Little did we know what would happen in this first half of the season. Um, seed. Uh, our last time I had us down as finishing at the three seed, um, I've, I've, you know, I've really, really pushed the boat out. I've become more confident. I reckon we're going to get finishing second now. Um, what do you guys think? Uh, where do you guys have us seed wise? Yeah, I think I said that we'd be the one seed. Um, and yeah, I do stick with that. I think, I think just with the momentum we've built that we'll continue to grow a record. And I think that Philly will probably see some injury issues down the line. Embiid never plays a full season. Um, so I think that they'll start to drop a few games and, and go off the rails a wee bit. So yeah, I think we'll finish in first still. I said we'd be second come this kind of stage of the season. That's where we are the now. So obviously I've, I've managed to get something right for a change. I do, however, believe like Aiden that we will be the one seed come the end of the season, just given the way we've kind of turned things around, turned things around, we've really found form and we just look really difficult to stop now. So yeah, I think we'll we'll be first in the East come the end of the season. Nice. Then we went a little bit more uh, esoteric about it. we thought not the league MVP. But the Nets MVP, uh, I think this is pretty unanimous. Um, I went with KD, uh, but I have changed my tune um, before I reveal who it is. What guys remind me what you guys had for the league and for our team MVP? So I'd said KD like yourself, and I think we're on the same kind of train of thought here with regards to changing the MVP. And I think it's going to be the exact same reason, although in about 20 seconds' time, you'll probably name a different player, so it will mean nothing. But Anyway, my MVP now is going to be James Harden. Uh, without doubt, as I said earlier on in the podcast, KD has played at an MVP level, but I think the fact that he's missed so many games will hamper his chances. Harden's coming in, as we've already said earlier on, MVP calibre, and yeah, I think he's going to be the MVP now and MVP of the team as well. I actually said Kyrie Irving. I think it was the only one that said Kyrie. I, I felt he was going to have a really good year, and I, I still think he has had a brilliant year. Um, I just felt with KD kind of coming back off the injury that he maybe have played kind of less games due to kind of injury recovery than he actually has. Um, and he he was certainly the MVP. But yeah, I'm, I'm the, the same as you guys. James Harden, definitely. Oh, I've, Matt, you've not said yet, but I assume it's going to be James Harden. So yeah, I've said it a couple of times in the pod already. He's the team MVP, if not the league MVP. Well, it's not going to surprise you, lads. It's free for free. I had KD um, exactly the same as you, Cami. Unfortunately, the narrative was there of him coming back after that devastating injury and just picking up exactly where he left off. But he's just not played enough games. Um, unless he comes back after the All-Star break um, and starts, you know, averaging 40 and 15 or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't see it happening. James Harden, for the, for the reasons we've... Um, spoken about at length on this pod already. Um, I think he's going to be the Nets' most valuable player. But yeah, Matt's huge shout to Kyrie Irving because he's quietly scoring a ton of points on really efficient shooting, um, and that that can't be sniffed at. Um, so huge shout out to him. Uh, this is where it starts getting a little bit funky for me. Um, I it was breakout star uh, for this season. 
And I had Spencer Dinwiddie. Obviously, he went down, I think, within the first week of the season. We don't know whether or not we'll see him suit up in a Nets uniform again. Uh, go back and listen to last week's pod if you want to hear our thoughts on that one. Um, but who did you guys have as your breakout star? Uh, I had Landry Shamit down, um, which is a kind of an interesting one because I remember at the time I said it thinking he's obviously not played for the Nets yet, but I just felt from coming over that he would have improved his game. And yeah, I was very, very wrong at the start. He wasn't playing well. But in terms of as the season's progressed, Landry Shamit probably is the breakout star because he has kind of constantly improved. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say for the rest of the season, the breakout star is gonna be the man on everyone's uh, lips at the moment. It's Nick Claxton. So my breakout star was Karis Levert. Obviously, he's now been traded away. So my prediction hasn't been wrong. He could still be a breakout star, just not with the Nets. So I'm gonna stretch that one and say that's still a possibility. I think there was a report out that he could be back at some point in this month for the Pacers. So if he hits the ground running, then yeah, maybe my prediction will come true. As with Aiden, I'm going to go with my new best mate, Nick Claxton, for the breakout star for the remainder of the season. Nice, nice, nice technicality you got us on there, Cammy. Um, yeah, um, massive honourable mention to Nick Claxton. I went a little bit different. Um, obviously, he's been out for a little while due to his health, but I think for the season so far, I think our breakout star has been Jeff Green. I think he's been hugely, hugely important to us. Um, he's massively overperforming for the that vet's minimum contract that we've got him on. Um, really, really hope that that shoulder injury doesn't roll on. Um, I've got a sneaky suspicion um, that KD, Jeff Green, TLC are all out until All Star, and they're just kind of um, kind of walking it back really slowly. Um, but that's my breakout star. Uh, I think he's had a really, really good season. Uh, I hope he remains in net for a very, very long time. Um, but yeah, Uncle Jeff for me. Uh, another one, which um, these were always going to be a little bit weird because these, these were our oddly specific predictions for this season. And my oddly specific uh, prediction was be that Torian Prince would have a career year. Um... Um, maybe I can pull a cami and say, you know, he might have a career year in Cleveland, but I've already seen him being in some trade talks, so I'm not quite sure how that'll go. I've got another one um, for this season, and it involves our, our favourite um, three-point specialist, Joe Harris. I've said my, my new oddly specific prediction for the rest of the season is that Joe Harris will have a Ray Allen moment scoring a huge bucket for this Nets team in a crucial moment. I can't say any more specific than that, but that, that's, my, that's what I think will happen. What about you guys? So my oddly specific from the kind of first set predictions was about the man himself, Joey Buckets, and that was that he'd be the best three-point shooter in the league, and that, that, that's been the case. So I, unfortunately, I can't give anyone the lottery numbers, but I'm, I'm fairly sure with uh, that prediction. Um, as for this kind of second half of the season, more oddly specific is going to be James Harden's going to have more triple-double games than he doesn't. Ooh, I like that. It's a very good one. Very cool. Yeah, um, I said, yeah, I kind of got a few funny looks when I said this at the time, I remember. I said my oddly specific prediction was that Kyrie would have an injury-free season. Now, 
before we kind of go into the games that Carrie sat out, he was obviously out for personal reasons. He's been out with a back injury at times. I personally don't think there was a back injury there. And then there was injury recovery with his shoulder. These are all just fancy terms for rest. And I personally still stick with the idea that he hasn't had an injury this season. I think he's already played more games than he did last season, which is is great. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick to say that that one's, that one's came in. Um, in terms of going on for the rest of the year, wee bit boring, but I think with the news that's came out around Blake Griffin, I think come playoff time, DeAndre Jordan will be out of the rotation. Um, that's, that's my prediction, I think. Just with the Nets liking going small and when we start playing against good teams, I think that they'll they'll tend to go for that small ball um, Nets lineup uh, going forward. And I think he'll see he'll see less minutes and then eventually I don't think he'll be getting any minutes at all. Interesting. I guess we'll have to wait and see uh, until the end of the season to see how uh, how spot on that was. We also had a chat about who were our biggest rivals uh, in the East um for this season for our regular season i said our biggest rival would be the bucks and in the playoffs it would be the sixers uh, i've changed my tune the the playoffs rivals as in who i think is going to give us the most trouble coming out of the east uh, remains the 76ers but i think our biggest regular season rival is the new york knicks I don't think we've got anything else to prove against uh, regular season teams in the East. Um, I'm really confident that we'll get a top four finish. Um, like I say, I think we'll finish top two now. Um, but I think just in terms of narrative uh, and drama and all that sort of stuff, I think, you know, we're, we're in the midst of uh, having a really, really special rivalry uh, with the Knicks, I think. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I was the exact same as you, Matt. I think me, you and, and Theo from Met the Criteria said all, all the same, that we all said that it was going to be the Bucks were going to cause us problems in the regular season, then it was going to be the Sixers. Um, obviously, the Sixers have been the team um, in the East so far, um, so I'll, I'll change it to say that they'll, they'll be our biggest rivals in the regular season, but I'm going to think bigger picture uh, when it comes to the playoffs because I think the Nets will, will come out of the East. And I think we need to start looking at the West for our biggest rivals now. And I think the Utah Jazz or the Clippers are my two teams that I think will do really well. And we might end up meeting them at the end. So for the kind of regular season rivals, I think I went for the Bucks. Now the Bucks are just right behind us. So I guess I've not been too far off there, but I am going to change that to the 76ers, as you have both said, the kind of team that's leading the way at the moment. And then in the playoffs, I said the kind of biggest rivals would be the Celtics. Obviously, things haven't went quite as well for the Celtics as I kind of expected they would. So I'm going to change that to the 76ers. But I do like Aidan's thinking about thinking right ahead to those finals because I'd like to hope that we do make it there. And then, yeah, I guess that, that is where the biggest rivals will be if we get past everyone else. Yeah, I, lo I loved a little exchange that um, the Glue Guys had on um, Twitter recently. Obviously, Glue Guys, can we say Glue Guys friend of the pod now? Because we got a couple, another yeah, little right. shout out definitely basically our best mates um saying like we need to stop with all this um but how are you going to stop joel Embiid argument because you could say that to every team um but you know i think their argument was you know you could let joel Embiid score 40 every night the nets are going to score 120 so you need to find you know 80 points from 
you know, Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons. And that's just not going to happen. But I think that is a chat for another day. Um, Really, really cool predictions. I like that. Um, But there were actually um, some Brooklyn Nets games in this past week that we can finally get around to. Um, On Monday, we had an overtime win in San Antonio, uh, the Nets winning 124 to 113. Deontay Murray scoring at the buzzer, but the Nets score 16 points in overtime and limit the Spurs to just five points to take the W. Um, Brooklyn win their sixth straight road game and their first road win in San Antonio for 19 years. Lads, what were you doing 19 years ago? I was probably still in nappies about 19 years ago. Um, <laughs> in fact, no. That, that, that's not right. I would have been about three or four by then. So, yeah, definitely wouldn't have been. I, mean, I don't remember anyway. But, yeah, 19 years ago, well, I, I didn't really know about basketball at all, I guess. But, yeah, in terms of this game itself, this was the next the Nick Claxton show. This was his coming out party after kind of coming back from injury. And what a phenomenal impact he made all night. Uh, just 13 points in the first half. He only played nine minutes and finished the night with 17 points and three blocks. And, and if he can do this regularly, we're going to be absolutely laughing. And the fact that he managed this in in just about 18 minutes, I mean, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Obviously, went on to perform really well later on in the week. And, I mean, yeah, I think this is the Claxton that a lot of people were really, really hyped about. We were all not so sure on him, but he certainly proved us wrong with his performance in this one. I think a very tight and competitive game for the first uh, kind of three quarters. Game was still back and forth. And then we took, I think, a 12-point lead, and it was like, yeah, this is it. that's it done. And then, obviously, the, the Dejounte Murray, like, last millisecond shot, how that went in, I've no idea. The fact he was rolling about on the ground, didn't even have possession of the ball, and, yeah, that overtime starting at, what, 3.45 in the morning here in the UK was definitely not what I wanted. And then the fact we went and, and blew them out in overtime as well just made it that bit more annoying to think we could have just held on for another millisecond or so. And we wouldn't have had to have waited another 10, 10 or so minutes. But but yeah, absolutely delighted that we managed to, to get this one against a team who have clearly been a bogey team for us when we've when we've faced them out there. Yeah, I mean it was just it was really nice to get a bounce back win after that rough night against the Mavericks. But you're you're spot on, Cammy. They really didn't have to to let this one go to overtime. And it uh, yeah, it just it somehow happened. It just it it just came out of nowhere. Obviously, the Nets were on a, a really nice streak in the, the fourth quarter. And then, yeah, the Spurs just kind of sneakily pulled back. And, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, obviously, they hadn't won in San Antonio for 19 years before this one. And it felt like that streak was just going to keep on going. It, it just felt like it's just one of these things that's never going to end. Um, but, yeah, the Nets did enough in overtime to get the, to get the win. Um, some really nice stat lines from the night. Obviously, when you get games that go into overtime, you sometimes see kind of inflated stats that you can kind of take with a pinch of salt. But, I mean, James Harden being the first player in NBA history to get 30-plus points, 10-plus rebounds, and 15-plus assists with zero turnovers is absolutely god-tier. And, uh, yeah, uh, to go along with that as well, big Nick Claxton, career-high 17 points with another three blocks and a steal. This guy's really kind of putting his name out there and he's getting talked around the league um, quite a lot. So it's, that's nice to see too. I mean, in terms of the Spurs, they, they're a good team. We kind of touched on it last week when we were doing the, the preview for the next week. Any Greg Popovich team is a good team and there's kind of no two doubts about it that they're always going to make life difficult for you. And yeah, the win probably should have been more comfortable. But at the end of the season, all you remember is who won the game. And so you can be happy with this one. 
Yeah, exactly. You guys have hit all the nails on the head. Um, Harden going bananas. Claxton, 17 points in 17 minutes as well. Um, really, really cool. Like you say, hopefully his... Um, his play will continue and he'll keep getting minutes and all that sort of stuff uh, as the roster becomes a bit more established uh, going into the playoffs. Um, but yeah, like you said, we were, I, I think I kind of, I'm, I think I'm almost the, the captain of the let's chill on Nicholas Claxton team, but I have been absolutely proven wrong because he's got a really, really bright future. Um, and yeah, he, he, he balled out James Harden balled out and he, James Harden kept balling out. Uh, as we went on to Wednesday um, with a massive win uh, against his former team. Uh, we went into Houston and we won 132-114. The James Harden revenge game, I've dubbed it. I mean, a nice video package, a news that the Rockets will tire. Uh, Harden's number 13 jersey was not enough to stop an absolute beatdown in H-Town. Um, the next shot, 17 to 35 from three is a team, which is 48% uh, and scored over 30 points in every quarter. Pretty complete offensive performance. Um, what guys did you make of the Rockets game? Yeah, you, you said it there, Matt, H-Town, but really, let's face it, they should be called L-Town because the Rockets <laughs> are a really bad team. I mean... Yeah, they. I saw in the news today that they apparently have no plans to sell off their vets for picks. So I have no idea what they're planning on doing uh, for their future, but I'll let some Rockets podcast somewhere work that one out. Um, but yeah, it was all about James Harden, obviously. Uh, the Beard returns to Houston, picks up yet another triple-double, two in a row. Um, and yeah, we get two wins on the Texas road trip, which was great. Um, yes, there were some really fun moments in this one. Something that stood out for me was Kyrie. He, was, he wasn't having a good night at all. And then there was a, a timeout and Steve Nash kind of took him to the side, kind of grabbed him by the face. And you could just tell he was kind of saying something like, you know how good you are, it'll come. Don't worry about it, just chill out. And then he went out and I think he had a burst of about 10 points within a couple of minutes, which was really nice to see. And it just shows the relationship with the, between the coaches and the team is really close and it's nice to see that kind of that link between the two um and yeah i mean we knew that our our bigs were going to eat in this one once we saw the the starting lineup from the rockets the rockets didn't have a guy over six foot five in the starting lineup which is really really small ball i mean we we try small ball but they they do it to an extreme level um, and dj and clax had some really nice performances again I said last week, obviously, that it was really important that we do get the two wins to keep the momentum and the confidence going into the break. Um, and, yeah, we nearly managed to sneak ahead of the Sixers and go into the first seed going into the All-Star break. I was kind of keeping an eye on their game with the, the Jazz at the same time. And, yeah, they somehow managed to sneak that one. Um, but it's definitely coming. You can tell that we're, we're going to sneak ahead of them at some point, and it's just a matter of time. If the Spurs game was the Nick Claxton show, this was without doubt the Harden show. Triple-double again, and it's getting to the point where you're almost kind of expecting it, and that's an insane thing to expect from someone, but, but we're really getting to the stage as well where we're, where we're running out of superlatives to actually describe Harden because he's just, every single night he turns up and obviously turning up at your former team, you can either, it typically always goes really, really well or it goes really, really badly. There's never kind of an in-between in these games, it feels, and yeah, Harden certainly stepped up and didn't kind of let the, the booze that you'd hear every so often throughout the game um, affect him. And yeah, Clax again was superb, 16 points in this one, eight rebounds as well in kind of limited minutes. And 
I think he's just going to show he can be an extra weapon in this team. And I've kind of said it in a, in one of the next Facebook pages. I don't think it'll be too long before we see him as, as one of the starters in this team because I think he is he is really that good. I think as much as we kind of blew them out and made things look really effortless, effortless and I say that in the best kind of possible way it was, didn't really feel like we had that much tempo or really had to do an awful lot coming to second gear or whatever. Things did get a bit a little bit tight in the fourth, but then we went on that streak and yeah, completely depleted that that kind of comeback of of Houston. So yeah, absolutely delighted that we managed to to go two and zero on this road trip, which I correctly predicted as well. Oh, you sneak that in there, nice. No, really, really cool. Um, always nice to win. Like I think. Had there been a, a whole arena full of booing, baying Rockets fans, it might have played out a little bit differently, but there wasn't and it didn't. So here we are. Uh, yeah, really cool to get a couple of uh, wins coming back, especially like you said, uh, Aiden, off the bat, after that Dallas loss. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, really cool. Um, so a, a nice, although it was just two games this week, uh, a nice two games for us Nets fans because we had two wins. So who can complain? Um, moving on to some listener questions. Before we go on, should we maybe wait because we've got eight minutes? Or will sure. we fit them in at that time? I, what I'm going to do is I'll go and plug my laptop in as well. But okay. we'd maybe fit in one listener question if I click. Yeah, yeah. I just need to turn the plug on. Yeah. Right, sorted. Cool. We might fit them both in. Can see how we do. Yeah, we'll get one in. I think it's quite, this first one's quite easy anyway. So, although it was just a, a brief week when it comes to games, just the two, uh, a very good week, all things considered, as Nets fans with two uh, Ws to enjoy. But now it brings us on to some listener questions. The first one we got is from Paul Mack, who is a very, very trusty, valued member of our Discord community. He stays up for every Nets game. He is the absolute Nets Iron Man uh, of that Discord uh, server that we got going. He, it's a simple one. He says, has or will Claxton fill the void left by Big J? What do you guys think? I don't think he has yet, but certainly has the potential to fill the, the void left by Jarrett Allen in, in some form. Obviously, two very different players. Claxton's shown more kind of on the offensive end, whereas Jarrett Allen was more of a defender. So clearly different players there. Claxton can shoot. He can whereas Jarrett Allen just couldn't at all. So, yeah, there's obviously that in his favour. He's a, a bit quicker than Jarrett Allen, but Jarrett Allen was obviously great for blocks, and obviously Claxton's got a few. But, yeah, I think two kind of different players, but I think if we're to maybe make a kind of closer comparison on maybe what Claxton needs to do to get on the same level as Jarrett Allen, perhaps, I'd maybe say adding a little bit more weight. I think we have seen Clax bulk up a little since we last seen him on the court about a year ago, whether that's just, it seems like it because we hadn't seen him in so long, but it does look, he just kind of looks a bit bigger. If he manages to add a few more pounds, I think that could certainly help him, help him out on the defensive end. And yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say it's, he's going to fill the void left by Jarrett Allen like for like, but certainly can fill that gap. And I mean, we lost one very promising centre and we've got someone who could certainly be a very promising centre in the future of, for the for the Nets in that position. Yeah, I tend to agree, Cammy. I think he's certainly not filled the void. I think he's softened the blow. I think you can look at it. He, he's a very, yeah, as you mentioned, he's a very different player, but he's definitely as talented as Jarrett Allen when obviously he he was just starting out with the Nets. Um, he'll never have the rim protection skills that Jarrett Allen has. Not many players in the league will. 
Um, but he is a big um, and he's got good impact defensively due to switching skills, which is obviously a different type of defence that Jarrett Allen didn't manage to kind of do too well. Um, and yeah, he's definitely more naturally talented offensively. Um, I think one thing about Nick Claxton that's kind of going under the radar, I mean, Jarrett Allen was obviously playing on a Nets team that wasn't great. It wasn't great at the time anyway. Um, whereas Clax is playing on a really good team and I think he's actually probably more of a valuable young piece than people are thinking and obviously we heard some talks about uh, the Houston Rockets actually wanting a young player back and if the Nets were involved in any PJ Tucker talks you've got to think they were asking for him because he is a very good young player um, but yeah I still think the Nets need someone in to kind of replace more of what Jarrett Allen did but Claxton yeah softens the blow a bit. No, yeah, I think you've you've absolutely perfectly illustrated. It doesn't doesn't uh, cover it, but it does make it feel a little bit better to have him step in uh, how he did. Uh, you guys have totally nailed it. Two very different, um, but not I'd say equally two very different defensive styles. I think Nick Claxton is, like you say, a lot more switchy. He's a lot more kind of um, his foot speed is a lot quicker. It feels like uh, obviously Jared Allen had great footwork for what he did. I think in terms of just kind of covering um, sort of meterage on the floor, I think um, Nick Claxton's got, got a little bit more horizontal movement, whereas Jarrett Allen was all about vertical movement and getting up and blocking shots and stuff. So two very different players. I think uh, Nick Claxton's probably got more of an upside offensively um, than Jarrett Allen, but obviously Jarrett Allen just knew exactly what his job was and what his role was and where his bread was buttered. And he was just all about dunks and putbacks and all that kind of stuff so yeah it's um I don't think I'll ever fully get over Jarrett Allen leaving um but Nick Claxton yeah definitely definitely softens the blow a little bit cool should we come back in and uh yeah. do uh, yeah go for that. is this a record and- that we've done four in the one t- four in the one podcast I think it is yeah mad right Crazy. are we just going right into you downloading it before you send us a link um I've, i like to download it because like my laptop just runs really slowly once right, if, okay. I'm, if i'm downloading it and trying to stream so yeah i'll be five so minutes got, so we've got feel and then looking ahead yeah cool super cool. nice one seasoned yeah cool cool so one last question uh from the listeners is theo our good friend a former guest of the show from met the criteria he said a thought experiment Assuming we win one plus rings in this initial scary era, what do you think the Nets look like come 2023-24? Do the big three re-sign and will we be still be contending? Or will we end up like a post-LeBron Miami, big market team with some great recent history, but stuck in a rebuild? What do you guys think? It's a great question. Um yeah, I probably would have reworded that and said, assuming we win two plus rings, because I think that has to be the minimum goal um, for the Nets with this team that we've got at the moment. Uh, for f- some reason, I think this has probably changed over the last few weeks, but I see the team that we currently have, the core of it anyway, um, around for quite a long time. I don't know why, I just get vibes from Kyrie, Harden, Joe Harris, KD, Nick Claxton, Bruce Brown, that they're very happy with this team. And I think they can see that we've got so much potential and what we could do um, that they may stick around for quite a long time, but it's going to come down to winning and it is really important to these guys. And if if we can win consistently, then I do see that happening. 
Um, I definitely see Kyrie and Harden re-signing long, long term. Um, I just think that'll be enough for us to definitely contend um, for a long time anyway, especially come 23, 24. Um, and yeah, I, I would certainly hope KD does as well if his two pals hang around. Um, yeah, I see the Nets being dominant for a long time. And if we can keep that unit for the long, uh, for the long haul, then we've certainly got a chance to be really successful. Ideally, they all re-sign and we, we enjoy many more championships kind of after these one or two that will probably come in the next few years. But worst comes to worst, I was kind of having a wee dig into the free agent class of that, that year. And if, if they all kind of chose to leave in that summer, it's not like we'd be shorter options. Now, there are some options which would result in us playing a vastly different style of basketball to the one we're kind of playing the now. Kind of some standouts are Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, Bradley Beal, um, LeBron James is also up for agency then, but I think it about past 40. Yeah, it's maybe a bit past him then, but that said, he's still performing now, so I wouldn't put it past him performing well then uh, still, but two players who did stand out on this list, and it will certainly pull on the heartstrings of lots of fans, is D'Angelo Russell and Karis Levert. Now, obviously, I don't think I've had my love for D'Lo, and we're obviously all big fans of Karis Levert here on the podcast. If we manage to win the title and then bring these guys back when Realistically, they should be in their peaks. It would just be kind of nice, like it's went full circle. They were kind of given up to start it and advance it and then to be rewarded by getting brought back post we probably still competing. I'd like to hope that's the case. I think that would just be a really nice kind of way for things to go. But ideally, as I say, the big three stay around for a long time and we win lots and lots. Yeah, that that would be nice to have get the band back together. Um, just having a look at the, the kind of the contract situation with the 23-24 season. So the only person that is owed money that far in advance is Joe Harris, who's going to be earning 19.9 million um, in that year, in that season. But literally, you've got no other um, money sort of tied up anywhere. Um, like you say, I think that would be great if if um, KD. Kyrie and Harden do stick around. Uh, obviously, the pull of New York City is is huge. They've all got obviously lots of fingers in different pies uh, off the court, um, and just a place to do business. Uh, New York is obviously a really really enticing place uh, that time um, in that regard. Sorry, but I think something that we need to bear in mind is. Um, it was recently the five-year anniversary of Sean Marks being uh, the GM of this team. And I think, you know, with when he took over the team, it was, we were, you know, a really, really dead out team. We had like a 20 win season, no stars, no picks. Um, you know, fast forward a few years, we land KD, we sort of start making the playoffs and we land KD and Kyrie. Fast forward another year, we get James Harden and, and you know, we're on the precipice of this, hopefully, this champ, sort of championship um, title winning dynasty level talent, um, whether or not it comes to fruition we, remains to be seen, but we, you know, that's a, a not unrealistic goal for this team now. So I think that Sean Marks has proven himself over the last five years that he's a very, very competent person to be building a team to achieve what he wants to achieve. So you've got to think that, you know, while everyone else is playing checkers, he's playing chess and he's he's thinking about, you know, a post um, big three era, um, maybe building around Joe Harris and, and locking him in then. But, you know, I've got no 
worries or about the future at all. Like like you said earlier on in this pod, uh, Aiden, we're, we're living, currently living in the good old days. So we need to just stop and think and just enjoy what we've got going on now. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it um, in, 20, uh, in 2023. But, you know, I've got all the faith in the world that, that this team has, has got enough now to to kind of be thinking what's what's going to be happening with us and they've probably got a plan and of attack already and and everything's bubbling away um obviously with the the g league um as we're recording the g league season has finished um but i know i think i our the gm of the long island nets is also the head of scouting for the brooklyn nets so there's if we can keep that coming in as like a a factory a production line of talent and and you know we're always looking at, at young and up and coming talent so I, I think that'll massively play a part um as, as as well as the the free agents that you mentioned as well cami um i wish we could dedicate a lot more time to that question because it's it's a really really good question um thanks for sending that in uh theo but we're going to look ahead to next week now um obviously we're probably going to touch on the all-star game um a little bit next week but we then have to wait until Thursday where we take on the Celtics. And then again on Saturday where we take on the Pistons. How do you guys think uh, we're going to fare when the second half of the season resumes? Well, we demolished the Celtics in both our previous meetings. Obviously they demolished them in preseason then in the, in the kind of league a few days after, well, a few matches after it started to absolutely demolish them and, they're on a good run at the moment. I think they've won their last four heading into the game with us, but I'd like to think that we will be able to beat them. They're, they've had kind of a few problems, maybe haven't had players perform all to the same level or, or to the level they'd at least expect. So I'd like to think hopefully with uh, Kyrie and KD both back and Harden as well, the three of them will have more than enough to then get past Celtics. And as for the Pistons, they may have beat us not that long ago, but surely with all three of these guys, we will blow them out the water and then some because... They're the worst team in the league at all. They're the second worst, one of the two anyway. And yeah, Jer- Jeremy Grant done bits against us last time, but I think we've certainly got to have learned a lesson. And I think it'll, it'll be another kind of maturity test for us, if you like, in terms of how far we've come as a team. Have we learned how to play against bad teams? Obviously, we've kind of corrected our record against the kind of rubbish teams lately, but that, that loss obviously was a, a rather frustrating one, despite, despite that loss and... And all that, I'm going to say we'll go 2-0 this week. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting week to see if the Nets can manage to continue their momentum, obviously, that we we gained for, uh, before the All-Star break. Two really nice games to get us back into, and I do fully expect the Nets to keep up their high standards. Um, I was actually looking into it um, earlier on. It looks like the Celtics game will come too early for KD, actually. It looks like he's getting a scan on his hamstring on Friday. Because um, I think his last scan was two weeks before and it was then scheduled for two weeks after, which is on, on Friday morning. Um, hopefully he can get the all clear to play again and uh, fingers crossed all is good with his hamstring there. Um, I still think the Nets can beat an average uh, Celtics team uh, with or without KD, um, just because yeah we've seen Harden and Kyrie play really well. And yeah, I don't think the Celtics are up to much this year, to be honest. Um, uh, yeah, and we'll may see KD back for the Pistons game. Um, but the way they maybe want to give him a few practices off um, before he starts playing again, just to uh, sorry, play a few practices before he starts playing again, just to get his fitness back up. Obviously, before going into the real thing, um, we need to beat this Pistons team because that last game was just embarrassment. 
And yeah, I think obviously we've been playing better against teams under 500. And yeah, we need to blow those out of the water. And how nice would it be if Blake Griffin plays against the Pistons and dunks on his first possession? I would love to see that. That would be absolute poetry in motion. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with you guys. Um, as, as sweet as it is to beat the Celtics at any time, I think in this very moment, I would get more excited about beating this goddamn Pistons team. Um, but yeah, I'm with you guys. 2-0. and um, We've got to be bringing it um, after this, after the season um, sort of resumes after all the star break. Um, but yeah, we shall see. Uh, 2-0 across the board. Nothing but positive vibes uh, on this podcast, like it is in the Nets locker room after a good win. Um, but that'll do us. Uh, thank you very, very much for listening. And we're going to see you next time. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of BKT UK. Thank you very much for listening. Please subscribe, rate and review the pod if possible. Head to teespring.com slash stores slash UK Nets fans where you can buy some merch and check out the link in our Twitter bio to sign up to our new weekly newsletter. We'll see you next week.